You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. So I've been calling around to my colleagues and um, just seeing where we are, you know. Uh, It's been a long haul through COVID and the numbers are falling precipitously. And um, I, I think we are about where everybody else is, about 60 to 70% of our regular folks coming. Um, it doesn't seem to be anybody that's much above that. Nobody's at 80%. And we're hovering there between 60 and 70%. I think 68% is what I figured. And, um, but several of them said, you know, we really think come September, we'll see what we got. They said this summer, you know, uh, since we couldn't go anywhere last summer, people are going to get every, they're going to take every opportunity to, you know, to go places this summer. And so I imagine that's happening. And we've got a a number of people on vacation today, for instance. But uh, I think we're going to be all right. I don't know that we'll get everybody back. I don't know. Um, But I know God's in charge. And I'm I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. While I'm kind of breaking... um, uh, the sermon here a little bit. I want to tell you that Carrie Taylor, our own Carrie Taylor, was awarded Leader of the Year. <laughs> at the annual um, um, Chamber of Commerce banquet a couple weeks ago. So proud of her. Uh, we really are. You know, the book of Ephesians is Paul's uh, quintessential work. Um, it's, it's his greatest work. Um, it's believed that it wasn't written specifically for the Ephesians, but rather it was passed to the Ephesian, the, the church at Ephesus first, and it was supposed to make its rounds. Um, and, and one of the reasons it's believed that is there's no specific addresses to individuals in the church at Ephesus. Um, the first three chapters are just glorious. It's theology. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's done for us. This is who we are. We are saved by grace, not by works that no one should boast. And then the last three chapters take this glorious theology and say, this is how we walk it out. And so last week we began, and, and it says, therefore, walk in a manner worthily. And last week... The message was really designed for all of us, that we are to be a church that is humble and gentle and and patient, bearing with one another, loving one another, and to to watch the Spirit bring us into the bond of, of peace. And he said, after all, here's what unifies us. We we have one body, that's, that's where the body of Christ. One spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. This week, um, it's a little different in that uh, he's talking to individuals now. Uh, he, he never loses the idea that we are a corporate entity. But he says, as part of the corporate entity, here's where you are as individuals. You know, uh, the book of Ephesus, uh, the book of Ephesians, rather, um, presumes that those reading it um, are members of the body of Christ. 
And I would presume that's true almost, almost entirely, but there, there probably are some in this room that do not know Jesus. And um, you've been coming a while and you've been searching and I'm glad of that. And, um, but maybe today, maybe today, you'll say, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna surrender my life to Jesus. I, I want you to think about that if that's, if that's you. Let's begin. He says uh, in Ephesians 4, 7, but to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, he's using the word grace here um, uh, as spiritual gifts, as you'll see. It, it could just as easily read, but to each one of us, spiritual gifts have been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now in this passage, uh, he mentions five spiritual gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And he says to us, um, these gifts are given so that we would all be equipped to serve. These, are, these gifts are given so that the body of Christ would be built up. These gifts are given so that we would reach unity. Now, there are several places in the New Testament. Let me give you two, the, the two other main places where spiritual gifts are mentioned. One is in uh, Romans 12. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And then he lists eight gifts, the gift of prophecy, the gift of faith, the gift of being able to serve and to teach, the gift of encouragement, the gift of giving, leading, the gift of mercy. And he says, each member, each of us, belongs to the other. We're the body of Christ. We belong to each other. One other passage in 1 Corinthians 12. Now about, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then he lists the longest list that we have in the New Testament. Messages of wisdom, messages of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation, apostles, teachers, helps, and guidance. Now what's interesting 
is if you look at all three of these lists, the one in our text today from Ephesians 4, the one from Romans, the 12th chapter, and the ones from 1 Corinthians 12, you get these three lists. And I know that that's pretty small. You might not be able to read it, but the point I'm trying to make is if you look at the ones that are highlighted in green, these are the only ones, there's only two gifts that appear in all three lists. Here's my point. There are some people that think that out of these three lists, is, this is the exhaustive list of the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. But there's another thought. Perhaps, since no three lists are alike, the lists are not exhaustive, but, but are illustrative. They illustrate the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, there may be gifts of the Spirit that aren't on, these, uh, on this page or mentioned in these, these three passages. I know this. Each one of us has some. I say some because most times people have a gift mix. Maybe one predominant gift and a couple others that, that go together to, to serve that gift. And I know this, the New Testament is plain. Here's Peter's words. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We're to serve others. We don't have spiritual gifts so we can pound our chest and say, look. We don't have spiritual gifts so they make us feel good. We have spiritual gifts to serve one another and to build one another and to bring the body of Christ to a place of, of unity. Now, my guess is a good number of you know what your spiritual gifts are. And probably an equal number aren't quite certain. So how do you find them? How do you know? Well, you could do a Google and take a spiritual gifts test. I used to do that early in our, in our pastorate. <laughs> and then I realized that they only, work is, they, they only work if you've done everything on the list. If you've taught children, if you've worked uh, you know, in missionary service, if you've planted a church, if you've done these things, then it will score you and say, yeah, you can do this. But if you haven't done any of that, it can't help you. It's, it's like a friend of mine who was asked, can you play the piano? And he said, I don't know. And the guy said, what do you mean you don't know? He said, I've never tried. I don't know if I can play it or not. You know, so I, I don't recommend taking a spiritual gifts test. Here's what I recommend. Follow your heart and find a place to serve. And then watch what happens. And if it doesn't happen there, then find another place to serve. I want to give you six things that uh, will really be insightful to you as you uh, prayerfully search for what the gifts God has given you, what, what those gifts are. The, the first thing to watch for is joy. <laughs> when you are using your spiritual gift, it's joyous. It's just a thing of joy. Um, uh, if you were asked to work with uh, toddlers, kind of preschoolers, we call it uptown here, 
Uptown Ministries. And you go and, and uh, before long, uh, the hour is over and you say, it's over. Where did that hour go? And, and you, you go home and you say, oh, that was the greatest thing. And it, it filled you with joy. Well, that's a good sign. Conversely, <laughs> if you're asked to be with fifth grade boys and you're looking at an hour, <laughs> an hour, <laughs> it's no different than the last time I looked. <laughs> You know, and you get out of there, you think, oh, Lord, never send me back there again. Well, that doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't. It just probably means that's not your gift. Working with that age group and doing that kind of thing. When you find and utilize your spiritual gift, it's, it's joyous. It's, it's a thing of joy. Uh, secondly, it comes easy to you. Um, you, you find yourself doing things almost instinctually. I, I've noticed this in, in uh, coaching uh, people who preach. And uh, sometimes without very much training at all, they, they put together great stuff. And I say, well, how did you do that? They said, well, it's, it's easy. I mean, anybody can do that. Well, it's not easy. And not everybody can do it. But when you are operating in your area of spiritual giftedness, it comes easy to you. Now, that's not to say that you don't work at it. That's not to say that you don't hone it and, and really develop it as a, as a gift and as a skill. But it, it, it comes easy to you. I'll give you a third. And, and that is when you utilize your spiritual gift, you, you lose track of time. Time just stops. You don't look at your watch over and over again. It just, time, time just escapes. You know what the longest half an hour of my life is? On the stair stepper. It is the longest <laughs> half an hour. I'm thinking, huh, huh, you know? And the shortest half an hour is, is when I get a chance to really engage uh, in my area of, of spiritual giftedness. Now, these three, joy and uh, easy, uh, the ease of using it and losing track of time, these are three internal things that you can look at. And you say, yeah, I see that in myself. The next three are external. These are things that other people would, would say, I see this. And, and the first one is uh, fruitfulness. So if you have a spiritual gift uh, and, and it, it genuinely is born in your spirit from the Holy Spirit, fruit will result. So if someone says, I have the gift of evangelism, well, you look around them and before long you see men and women, boys and girls, whatever, who come to know Christ because of them. If you have a gift of mercy, you look around them and you see people who were formerly wounded and struggling that now are, are being helped and are feeling whole. If, if you have a genuine gift of the Holy Spirit and you're operating in it, there is 
fruitfulness. And then the converse is also true. If you think you have this gift and you try to use it, but nothing happens, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that's probably not your gift. Get off it and go do something else. A, a, a second um, thing that, that can be witnessed from the outside is the affirmation of friends and, and family and the people you minister to. They'll say things like, boy, I'll tell you what, when you do that, oh, that's, that's, that's you. I mean, that's, 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 right in, in, that's right in your wheelhouse, man. That's, that's good. You, 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 you become affirmed. And, and the last one is similar to affirmation, but it's confirmation. And the difference is those who confirm are those who um, are either in leadership or um, are already doing the same thing uh, with the spiritual gift that you have. In ministry, uh, we call it ordination. For someone to become a pastor in our stream, you have to take several classes, but you also have to meet with a team of people every year for as many as seven years. And questions are asked and ministry is observed. And if after seven years, um, and sometimes it happens a little faster, but probably no faster than five, um, if after that time, the, the, the pastors around say, yeah, I see it, I see it. Then a service is held and, and the person being ordained kneels and everybody lays hands on them and they say, we affirm, we confirm what the Lord has called you to do. We say that we see it. We see it in you. You know, um, I think we, we could do well to... Um, ordained uh, other types of professions. I have a good friend uh, who was a high school principal who uh, was born. <laughs> he was born to be a high school principal. And as a matter of fact, we did ordain him as a matter of speaking. Um, we, we, the churches in the town, this was in, in Bedford where I came from, uh, we, we all gathered and Sam and his wife came. We had a church service and on a Sunday night. And it closed with Sam, our new high school principal, entering his first year and his wife kneeling there. And from the city manager to all of these pastors, we prayed over him. And we said, we confirm the gifts and the graces and the personality and that God has called you here and we bless it. And so when you are analyzing your spiritual gifts, look at these six things. Do I feel these things? Am I hearing these other things? And, and the best way to find it is just to get busy, is, is to find something to do, to begin to serve. We've got places to serve here. And we'll have more places in the fall. We're praying about six or eight of you that would be uh, small group leaders starting in the fall. Um, you, you just begin to serve. And as you serve, it will become fine-tuned. There's a saying that says, God can't steer a parked car. 
so you get moving. And then he can, he can steer it. He goes on. He says, we all have these spiritual gifts. We're to use them for one another. And then he says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. No longer infants. But notice what he says. He says we are no longer infants, not because we have some studly pastor who preaches this way or some studly worship leader who leads it this way, but because, conversely, because we as the body of Christ discover and deploy our gifts to serve one another and to love one another. He goes on. He said, instead, we speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We speak the truth in love. There's a lot in that sentence. There seems to be no shortage of people who can speak the truth. That's the easiest side of the coin. But to speak the truth in love. You know, when someone comes to me and they have some things they need to share with me, I'll listen and I'll try very, very hard to receive it. But when I know when I know they love me, when I know they want my best, that they love me, I can hear it. But if I don't know that, my first reaction is usually defensive, right? Yours would be too. And then it settles down, we see if there's some truth we need to hear. But it's so much easier if we know we're loved. <laughs> he closes this passage by saying, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Every supporting ligament you and I are the body of Christ. And you have a place in that body. And so do I. And frankly, there's no place that's more important than another place. The person who sweeps floors and cleans the restrooms that has been called by God to do it is just as holy is someone who speaks to Colosseums full of people. <laughs> I love the line here where it says, and we, we use these, we become the supporting ligaments and we build itself, we build the body up in love as each of us does its work. Growing up, I, I miss, um, 
I miss child rearing. I do. I loved it when we had children in our home. I love it now that I have a staff of young parents who have young children, and I, I love it. I, I love speaking into it, and, and I, love, I love these kids. But when we were growing up, when our kids were growing up, you know, and, and, and invariably, you know, they would squabble a little bit. And I would listen for a while, and then finally I'd say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> What's the family mission statement of the Boquist family? And they'd look at the shoes, and then they'd look at me and say, to build one another up. <laughs> That's why we exist. That's why we exist. We exist to build one another up. And when somebody discovers and uses their spiritual giftedness, everybody around them is better because they're built up. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray in the months to come that you would introduce our friends who do not know at this point what their spiritual gifts are, that you will introduce them to these gifts. And they would know the joy of using them to see uh, infancy in the body of Christ brought to a close, to see unity in the body of Christ, to see people in the body of Christ built up in love. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for including every one of us. Thank you for your great grace that we celebrate today. If you would stand, we're gonna have our benediction. But before we do, I mentioned early in the service, Ephesians is written for those who know Christ, but maybe you don't. And this might be an opportunity for you to uh, make a life choice and say, I will follow Jesus Christ. If that's you, I invite you to come and kneel and pray if you'd like to. Would you bow your heads with me? Perhaps some will come, perhaps not. Perhaps some will come when the benediction is over and they're less intimidated than when all these people are here. I don't know. But I invite you. My Father in heaven, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for the worship, the music, the prayers, the scripture, everything we've heard. And I pray that as we leave here, we leave having been reminded that you are always faithful and that you're good and that you have a place for us that every one of us has a gift that we can use to encourage and to build up and to unify. I pray this week, my friends, will see your grace in their lives. And as a consequence, would they give as they have been given unto? Would they forgive as they have been forgiven? Would they love as generously as they have been loved? Thank you for who you are, 
of what you've done and how you love. Now dismiss us in that great love, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I love you. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.